Hello and welcome to the Collective Wisdom Podcast, the podcast that explores how to be a wiser version of yourself. This is a podcast that helps you to tap into your own inner wisdom and find the answers within you for how to live your best life. I'm your host, Kat Preston. I'm a certified life coach and I help people to turn down the noise in their heads and tune into the wisdom in their hearts. Every week, I'll be asking my guests to tell their stories about what they've learned along the way and share some of their wisdom with us. I'm so thrilled you can join us. Hey there, my wise friends, and welcome to another episode of Collective Wisdom. We are family. That's something today's guest has helped me see right from the get-go. Like me, Robin Kramer is one of four girls, and so perhaps the way we have both grown up has shaped our outlook on the importance of connection and valuing relationships above all else in life. But what Robin has also taught me is that one of the ways we build those relationships is by going the extra mile and asking ourselves in any context how we can show up and be of service. There's a real shift in energy when you move from internal focus on yourself to thinking outwardly to the people you're connecting with and leaning into empathy. It's a mindset you'll find at the heart of any successful business or project, the small gestures that make all the difference. I had a perfect example of this from my friend Rumi, who was on the podcast recently. You might remember her. She said that expressing our creativity was another way of showing us that we're alive. And as a thank you for having her on the show, she sent me one of her new card decks, which arrived yesterday. They come beautifully wrapped and held in a little bag with a tiny wooden stand, which instantly made me think of Japanese simple elegance. And each card has a gorgeous picture from the Japanese garden in Seattle on the front and a simple question or prompt on the reverse side. The message on the first card reads, beautiful gardens feel good to be in. They clear our minds and awaken our senses. They invite us to wonder, curiosity and connection to ourselves. Things we often neglect in our busy lives. They restore peace and calm. These 52 cards allow you to have a tiny immersive garden experience anywhere. Please enjoy them as you wish. Journaling prompts, conversation starters, thoughts of the day, or simple doses of beauty. Rumi. I pulled out a card this morning, a picture of Japanese anemones dancing in the breeze, and the message on the back asked me, what is the wind whispering to you? What a great question to start the week. And as it's now November, and we start to think about Thanksgiving and thoughtful gifts for Christmas, I can't think of a better one to give someone to start their new year. 52 cards, one for each week of the year ahead, that reflect the changing seasons and help you restore balance and calm. There's a sort of magical synergy to it. It also reminds me of Robin's advice when we were running the jewellery business to send gifts to all of our wholesale customers at the end of the year as a thank you and in recognition that without their valuable custom, we wouldn't have a business. As you'll hear from Robin herself, a little bit of gratitude goes a long, long way. And it's one of the reasons she's such a joy to be around. Joining me today is my friend and fabulous mentor, Robin Kramer. It's hard to put into words the essence that is Robin. On her website, it says, She's a brand marketing maven, natural business nurturer, master of relationships, and a sales expert. And sure enough, she has a long and illustrious career working with brands such as Williams-Sonoma, Gap, Old Navy, and the jewelry brand Dog-Eared, whose sales figures were increased by an astonishing 800% in the five years she was with them. Robin and I first met when I signed up to join the year-long mastermind program hosted by Flourish and Thrive Academy, 
which she co-founded with the equally awesome Tracy Matthews in 2012 to support independent jewelry designers who were building a business. It's fair to say that prior to the mastermind, I'd never experienced the magic of what great coaching can do for you. Over the course of a year, I worked alongside a group of fellow designers and makers, which culminated in a three-day live event in New York City, and the experience was transformative. I made some lifelong friends and learned so much about everything from brand marketing and sales training to building relationships and managing a team. Robin's kind, supportive encouragement played a huge part in that development. Originally from Dallas, Texas, Robin's signature style is definitely her red cowboy boots. She has many pairs. And Red Boots Consulting is where she currently pours her wisdom, enthusiasm, and love into helping creatives go after their dreams. So it's a real pleasure to have her here today to share just a little bit of that immense wisdom with us. Thanks for joining me, Robin. Oh, Kat, I'm so happy to be here. And I am just overflowing with love and, and I, I, it's, that was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> well, you know, one of the joys of doing this podcast is I'm able to say in a very public way, a thank you to some of the, you know, the mentors, the guys, the people who have inspired me. It's a huge privilege to be able to say that openly because seriously, without Flourish and Thrive Academy and the, the, just the, the the level of care and attention that you put into that program, my jewelry business would never have been anything like as successful as it was. And people used to ask me, you know, what is the secret? What is the, what's going on behind the scenes? Where, how did this all happen? And it was always came back to what we used to call you in our house. It was not um, Tracy and Robin, it was Batman and Robin because my kids at the time were young enough. They were just, they just kept hearing me talking about Tracy and Robin. And they were like, who are you? Batman and Robin, who are they? And it was just always hilarious because they could see the difference that those calls made, that that support made. And that, you know, what you were doing was infusing every different business because there were many different businesses. You know, some were wholesale, some were independent designers, some were designer makers, but you, it's, it's the same fundamental principles that you were always getting to the bottom of. I mean, when it comes down to it, um, it, it's, well, it brings me immense joy to help people. That is, that is relationships. If somebody could say, you know, you can have all the money in the world or you could have all the relationships. I would choose relationships every time because it's really who we connect ourselves with and, um, and the community that is so invaluable, um, and to, to watch people grow and, and, uh, support one another is just so incredible. It really, it really is. And, and what's also really fun is that I'm really connected to so many people for, for years because of this, and you all are connected. Yeah. Um, and, even if you don't talk for a long time, when you do talk, there's this, like, it comes back and you're, you've, you've just created something beautiful and in, in the relationship you've created. It just, it just. Yeah. I think it. that's so true. And I think, I think at the essence of it is you were teaching us right from the get go that this is a win-win situation. You know, it was the first time I'd, I'd really leaned into where can I collaborate? Where can I, find ways to show up and ask how I can help 
without the expectation of necessarily getting help back. But that whole spirit means that somehow it just creates good karma and that everybody around you shows up and does the same. Yeah, there's a great quote. Um, I wish I could remember who it is. <laughs> but I always say, like, great givers are great getters. If you yeah. go in with the intent of, like, how can I help you without the um, kind of thought of how is this person going to help me? But if you go in in a, a very authentic, meaningful way of like, how can I help this person? It will come back tenfold to you. It just does. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so true. And I was going to ask you about where that, you know, whether you had great mentors in your life. I know, I know growing up, you've told stories about your dad being such a, a pivotal, you know, he was just such a, a great inspiration in your life. And I just, you know, wanted to share a little bit of, because his story is also really remarkable. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, my father was a physician and he um, he passed in two, 2018, in March of 2018, which is mm -hmm. still like, I cannot believe it. He kind of larger than life. Um, but he, people were, I mean, his legacy is the people he touched for sure. Mm -hmm. um, because even though he was, he was a pediatrician and he was a pulmonary pulmonology. So cystic fibrosis was really kind of a focus for him, but he, he started a practice here in Dallas. Um, and he was the first to do like weekend hours and staying, um, after hours for those parents who worked and things like that. So he was always thinking about how could he help somebody else? Yeah. And, when he passed away, um, oh my gosh, there were people who came to his memorial that were like, your dad was my doctor in 1968. And I was like, oh, well, a pediatrician, like who remembers their pediatrician and is still and my father just, he was pretty amazing. He had a photographic memory. He could, if he, if you were his patient, or a friend and, and he hadn't seen you in years, but he knew everybody in your family. He would ask about him. I mean, he just like, it, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. And he also um, walked people down the aisle. So some of his patients, some of his CF patients, because he was so close with his cystic fibrosis patients that he, they would be, they would ask him to walk them down, them down the aisle even with the the other you know parent uh because he was so instrumental in their lives he officiated weddings i mean he loved it i mean he just but he did teach me that relationships are everything and one of the things that he also did is that it didn't matter if you didn't call him he would call you and what i hear a lot um people are like oh well I was the last person to call. So I'm waiting for them to call me back. And I was like, don't wait, don't wait, don't wait for the connection. Yeah. Um, I have a dear, dear, dear friend that I met when I was doing a yoga training and we, we met in line and we became fast friends during that 10 week period. And she just had her life. She's got two kids. She's their life's still very full. Things happen. When I reach out to her, she's always happy to hear from me. Absolutely. And she said to me early on, she's like, 
I am terrible at calling. I just don't. I'm terrible at emailing. I'm terrible at all of that. But I was like, that's okay. Yeah. If we're not keeping score here and, um, you know, just don't keep score, just spread love and joy and can, you know, that's what it's all about. Well, you know, and it's so funny because you're saying, you know, this is your dad who saved lives and had such an impact on lives. And although you're not a doctor, I would say that thread carries through, you know, you remember the people you were working with back 20 years ago. So over time, you've created this incredible ecosystem of people who I'm pretty sure you could pick up the phone to people that because you were of service to them because you contributed so much in that time. You know, we were just talking about Alison and Elisa of Solku and you just went down to see them where you just walk into the room and everyone's like, how can I help? Because you had that impact on their lives. So it's interesting for me that your whole philosophy to sales was it's not hard. It is about coming from a place of service. And that shifted that whole sense of how can I possibly charge people? You know, it's when you show up and contribute, your job is to make the product as good as it possibly can be presented in the nicest possible packaging so that if people want to gift it, it looks amazing. They feel like they're getting such good value for money and that you are so grateful to them for being their customer. That was that was the sort of essence of the sales training for me. And it was just amazing. Oh, I'm so I'm so glad. And I I feel I totally feel that way. You know, when I was hired um by Dog Eared, which was so I feel like every job I've had has been very serendipitous. It's just happened. And I feel very fortunate that way. And Dog Eared was certainly that way as well. But when I went to work for them, they um, they printed business cards for me prior to me accepting the job. Oh, they wow. Were, yeah. <laughs> I just interviewed with them. And like two weeks later, I saw them at a trade show. And um, one of the owners is like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? He's like, I know you haven't made up your mind, but I have a little gift for you. And he had like a box of about 500. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that was July and I actually did accept and I didn't start working there until October. So it was very wow. funny. Um, but the power of, you know, that certainly swayed me for sure. Um, but the card said sales director. And I remember thinking that's such a title. And I really felt it should be more relationship builder or, or just relationship professional or something because you know, sales, sometimes it's like nails on a chalkboard, you know, people are fearful of that word. Um, salesy always comes to mind that you, you've got to be salesy. And that's so yucky. And I was like, you know, it's just about outreach. And if somebody says, no, that's okay, too. Yeah, and it's not for it's them. Not, it's not personal. It's just not for them. And yeah. it's, it's just being okay with that. But also too having the courage to be confident in what you do so if somebody says can i have a discount or this i've i used to get all the time with dog eared oh I, this is so simple i could make that and mm -hmm. i'd be like oh that's great you know 
I'm not sure if you know that everything we do is handmade and we do it in California and, um, you know, we have a, we have a a in-house copywriter that does all the copywriting. Like there's a reason we do what we do and we make it. um, And I'm very proud of what we do, but I was like, I, you don't have to be apologetic. You can explain yeah. when someone comes at you that way, but it's not for everybody. And that's okay. You yeah. know, I think that's also part of it. I think it is. It's that word. It's it's that combination of courage and com- you get the confidence by by flexing that courage muscle to just ask anybody, talk to anybody about it. And then, okay, it isn't for everybody. And I know with Dog-Eared, they were one of the first brands to put those like little messages together with the jewelry, which created this real sort of sense of, it was often the message that was carrying forward as much as the, as the jewelry itself. It was what it was carrying with it. Absolutely. In fact, when, um, when I saw the product, I was actually doing some consulting for a brand in Southern California. I was living in Northern California. I was doing some consulting for a brand in, in, Southern California for just like a weekend. I was helping them set up their in-house sales and it was a jewelry company. And I um, went with the owner to around some stores. We they're ba- They were based in Pasadena and we went into a couple of stores and I saw dog-eared for the first time. And I was like, oh my God, this is brilliant. It's carded jewelry. It is the sales associate doesn't have to explain it. It says what it is on the card and I was blown away. So I proceeded to buy 10 of those necklaces at retail. And when you're in the business, you're like, I must be able to cut a deal here. (laughs) I bought 10 of those necklaces. I had a birthday coming up and I wanted to gift my friends the necklace. And, and also in addition to being a really cute little wishbone necklace with a great message, yeah. um, a portion of the proceeds were going to um, cancer foundation. And I was like, it's a win-win I can give it. It's lovely. It's a sweet little necklace. I'm actually wearing a little dog-eared boot, <laughs> oh, um, but uh, I just thought it was brilliant. Um, and it was a make a wish necklace. And they were the first people to do a make a wish necklace. And the whole point of the necklace was that you make a wish and when the necklace wears off because it was on a silk cord you're the wish comes true and I was like oh my god it can break and (laughs) and people be excited about it and the one time more I was like who are these people this is great yeah I just thought it was it was really brilliant um and then when I went to work for I mean and then oddly enough three weeks later I was contacted by the woman who was their operations director. And, um, and you say oddly enough, but I have a feeling you probably sparked up some sort of conversation when you were buying those 10 necklaces. Oh, that, that maybe. <laughs> well, so it was sweet. when I was um, doing the consulting for the other jewelry company in Pasadena, the uh, person who was overseeing operations production was Inta. And Inta <laughs> went to go work for Dog Eared. It yeah. is one of my best friends. Right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. good friends because of that consulting job yeah. that I did for one, you know, it was two days and she sat in on a couple of meetings and that was how she met me. And she sent me an email 
um, three weeks after I had given these dog ear necklaces out, she's like, hey, I met this company called Dog Eared and we're looking for a director of sales. Do you know? <laughs> and I picked up the phone yeah. and I called her and I was like, this is crazy. Um, and I just told her, you know, I just gave dog ear necklaces to friends for my birthday and, and uh, the rest is here, history. I mean, I worked for them for five years. Yeah. And, and had an amazing impact, even though they had these great, great ideas, you know, it was your, you bring together that, okay, let's really be intentional about it and, and track those sales figures and really get this out there. You know, one of your levels of expertise is that how to build those wholesale markets, how to scale it from just being this little bitty business in one, one state and get it out there. And I'm so glad you said I picked up the phone because that was the other thing that we talked about just before we came on this call was it was if you are in a relationship with someone, be able to pick up the phone. If you're, if you're supplying a retailer, pick up the phone and ask them what they need um, as many times as possible, create ways to interact which i think in a in a world where we now building businesses online it's important to remember that that is still a fundamental part of running a business just because there's a website between you and the customer doesn't mean you shouldn't be finding ways to connect with them absolutely and i think we have and i was experienced this before i resigned um, from dog eared I was even seeing it in the it, our employees that we were hiring who were young. They were frightened of the phone. Mm. And part of their job was like, well, I'm going to teach you how to pick up the phone and talk to somebody because it's connection. You don't, you know, online texting, all that stuff. You don't hear the inflection in someone's voice. You don't hear the sincerity in someone's voice. Mm. And I just feel like, you can say you can say one word a million different ways and the way it sounds you're going to have a million different reactions to it yeah so by writing a word and putting an exclamation point next to it someone could take it the right way someone could take it the wrong way i mean it just um and you don't get to know the person unless yeah. you're talking with them so doing a video is a great way to do that as well but not everybody you know, I think a lot of times people are pretty zoomed out nowadays, but, um, but talk to them. Yeah. You know? And it. Just I, I think even voice memos, I find, you know, I just, I, I received my first LinkedIn voice memo. I didn't even know that you could do that. And it's so much more personal when you hear someone's words, oh my gosh. you know, it's just a little note to say, thanks for your message. And I was like, oh my God, that's a thing. I can do this, you know, and how many of us just think, oh yeah, we must do that. We must do that. But and I know that the last time I was um, approached, somebody wanted to pitch to me to do some copywriting for me. They left a, I think it was just a WhatsApp memo, but it was a voice memo explaining that they'd heard the podcast. They thought that they might be able to help. It's so powerful because suddenly there's a human behind that voice and it makes a difference. Absolutely. And, and if anything has taught us in the last two and a half years when, you know, everything shut down, it's be human. Yeah. People want, people relate to you better if you are not perfect, if you are just being, you know, like, oops. I mean, 
there have been times that, you know, I've done, you know, working for dog aired or even my own company where I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot to do that. Or I did, I'd pick up the phone and say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. How can, you know, here are the steps I'm going to do to make it better. Or, you know, I'm going to follow up with an email, but initially I'm going to call somebody because I want to acknowledge, you know, that, that, that went haywire. Or I can't tell you how many times I've picked up the phone and because I, I get a lot of different emails and I'm always looking for stores opening or brands that I haven't heard of before. And a lot of times I just pick up the phone and call them and say, congratulations, I read the article and it was so great. And just because people want, I mean, it's so nice to do that, but I can't do that if I don't have a phone number. <laughs> and you were just telling, and this is such a great story. You were just telling me the story. So this is so you, Robin, to go into a forum where people, it's artists who are selling their wares online and how to get into wholesale. And you go in just to lend your support, just because you know that you can be helpful and powerful, not to pitch your business, but just to literally as a way of giving back. I love that. But you were saying that there are so many businesses that don't even have a phone number now. Yeah, I, I um a question up I, well I, I actually I was trying I was searching for there was a vendor who reached out to me and said I'd really love to set up a time to talk with you and I just thought oh my gosh well I have some time right now I'm just gonna call her and I could I had her business card with me there was no phone number her email had no phone number I was like I'm such a I just loved talking with people and I was like oh my gosh so I emailed her but she doesn't check her emails on the weekend so then, you know, we've, we've done some back and forth and we're going to schedule a time, but I, it just got me thinking, like, why would it be so difficult to reach, to reach somebody? And if I was a buyer, I would love to be able to access somebody any way I can. And what if I was, you know, had something I was like, oh my gosh, I'm under the gun. I have a last minute thing. I'm going to call this and see if I can make it happen. I, and so I posted in the group, I said, please have a phone number on your website and make it easy for a buyer to reach you. And oh my goodness, the backlash I got was like, you know, no way. I'm not going to do that. There's so much. Yes. Is there a lot of spam out there? There's a lot of spam and email. There's a lot of spam everywhere. But I feel like if you're in the business to sell product or to sell service if you're in the in business in business <laughs> why not have a phone number and um somebody said well you know it's kind of like calling a a plumber or an electrician you know and I never get them and this I was like yeah but they have an answering service that's what answering services are for mm-hmm. or you know people are like oh am I supposed to spend more money on a phone number you know <laughs> am I supposed to to put my personal number out there and I was like hold on. I'm just trying to say, I want you to have more business. Yeah. um, One designer said, you know, I have a phone number up and I'm so glad I did because the New York times reached out to me and I picked up the phone when they Mm -hmm. called. I didn't know it was them calling. It was an editor calling. And I thought, yeah, there's opportunity out there and to be open to possibility. That's all I was kind of just saying, you know, open yourselves up to possibility because um, it is frustrating for some people. And it's, and somebody who said, Oh, well, you know, my older 
clients like a phone number. And I was like, hold on. (laughs) Yes, I might be older, a little more, you know, seasoned, if you will. But, you know, I just feel like meet people where they are. You know, some days are going to be picking up the phone. Some days are going to be FaceTiming. Some days are going to be texting. Like we are in an, it's such a competitive market out there. Why wouldn't you just be open to that? And it doesn't mean, I mean you can leave um, uh, another designer I work with. She, she has a phone number and she on the phone says, you know, leaves a message saying, Hey, um, the best way to reach me is by text or email. Uh, but I'll get back to you, leave a message and I'll get back to you if, you know, if you'd yeah. like to leave a message. But I was like, yeah, that's a great thing to do. Leave a voicemail that just says, if you want to reach me right away, do these things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Be because I'm, I'm signally, I'm open for business. This is basically, I want to connect for sure, for sure. Exactly. I want to connect. And instead of making it so hard, but it was so funny. I was like, oh, I, I certainly hit a nerve on that. Oh God. I mean, if you speak to my kids about, you know, they're in their early twenties and, and you talk to them about the phone and yeah, they're just, no, we don't do phones, leave a text or send a text or, but you're right about what, what you were saying was just meet people, allowing the opportunity for people to connect on whatever level they want is Absolutely. and the phone seems to be the one that gets abandoned first you know it's like oh no I might have to actually speak to a person and that's going to be scary but no and I think I mean the other thing that that you were really good at when we were on that mastermind was and it's funny how you said when you spotted the the dog-eared piece and it was really quite innovative it is in in its time a lot of people have gone on to emulate that same sort of style of putting jewelry on cards and associating messages you have a really good eye for what's coming down the pipe you know what's what's going to work because you have this sort of retail experience and you've been doing this for so many years what what are you seeing at the moment as being kind of new and exciting ways to to sell things Um, Well, I definitely think, uh, I love it when people say, you know, a virtual appointment, you can do a virtual appointment, showing product Mm. virtually, I think people are more uh, open to it than they used to be. Um, I think that extra personalization too, where if you have a buyer texting them, oh my gosh, I just got this in, I thought of you, or I just made this, I thought of your store, or with a, a customer that is a great customer of yours and you, um, like I just, a, a client who went to New York and she went to New York for a trade show, but she has three really good customers that she were, you know, that found her and they're in New York city. And she reached out to them and she said, Hey, I'm going to be in New York. I'm coming a little early. I would love to meet you in person. Yeah. Love to take you out to lunch. And, and I have my new collection. I'd love to personally show you my new collection and whether or not they took her up on it, you know, it doesn't matter, but it's that extra little, those, those little personalizations that, um, the, I always say surprise and delight. How are you going to surprise and delight somebody? But it's not so much about, about, you know, getting new customers. Yes, but it's nurturing the ones you have and really making people feel special. And I think those things, I see VIP groups that are really great. Um, I I just, I love how people are kind of 
thinking about how are they going to keep their customers engaged, but you know, what are the other little extras they're doing for them too? I have um, a designer who, um, when the pandemic happened, she put together a box. Um, she she also has a, she has a store and she also sells wholesale. She sells her jewelry wholesale, but she also has a little store. And uh, but she was reaching out to her wholesale accounts, and she knew she knew a lot of them had been you know not sure what to do. A lot of buyers, a lot of smaller stores did not have great websites, mm. and so she was like, I can, you know, if I can help you with your website or connect you with somebody, she also put a, a box together of, you know, one of her new pieces and some other little gift items and just sent a beautiful note saying, thinking of you, um, you know, please know we're, we're here when you're ready to, you know, you know, have your store open or whatever the case may be. And, the response was wonderful. I mean, people just want to be acknowledged and um, made to feel special. And, and yeah. you know, just a, a small, it, it, for her, her investment in this box was, I think it was like $2,000. And she sent out, I don't know if it was about 50 bucks or something. I, I, I'm trying to remember, maybe it was 100. And so it was an investment for her. But she said it came back tenfold. Not only... Mm-hmm it reinforced the relationship. Um, they thought of her first when they were ready to invest in their, you know, what to get for their store. Um, and they just really felt appreciated too. And I think that's, you know, what it comes down to. And I love that you've said, you know, it's, it, we often see, oh, we've got to chase the next customer, the next customer, but it's that you have these customers who are there and they'll keep coming back and they they are the easiest people. You don't have to sell to them. You don't have to convince them who you are. They already have bought from you. Um, it's And it's the same in, in the service industry. You know, when I'm coaching, often it's the people that I have already worked with who are going to, you reach out to them and they go, oh, I was going to call you. Or funnily enough, I was just thinking about whether I could just do with, with just having a chat about something. And it is that take the initiative, be the person to be the first person to reach out. Um, because I think, I mean, what, what, what I was also fascinated by was that not only are you consulting, but I hadn't, I didn't realize you have, you still have your own business in, you know, with your four sisters that you're running. A, <laughs> so you're really in the thick of it all the time. You really understand the essence of what it is. It's, it is a challenge to keep those small businesses running against the big boys and to compete, but it's these little touches that you can do that they perhaps can't that make all the difference. It's that, it's that, yeah, it's that little extra and it doesn't have to, it doesn't have to be a huge financial investment, but like I said, sometimes it's just even calling somebody and say, Hey, I was thinking of you today. I hope you're having a beautiful day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think we overcomplicate things. I think we are certainly in a, a time where faster, you know, faster equals better or, you know, I, or more, you know, just, just kind of this weird time of, of technology and it's no substitute for slowing down, taking a moment. Yeah. And saying, connecting. Yeah. Can I, 
connecting and just yeah. like how are you and um it was fun I was so I was in New York for the shows I go I go to New York at least twice a year to the trade shows and I always meet up with buyers and vendors that I've known for years and it was so fun one of the uh my friends Julie who has Vertu in Chicago it's great great store in Chicago and I knew her before she had her store. So it's going on like 20 years. Um, and what was really fun is that she she worked at um, Paper Source before she had her own stores. And Paper Source used to be privately owned. And now it's, I think uh, um, there's a, a bookstore that now owns them. But I think Barnes and Nobles bought them. But it's a great store and and that's before I was in the jewelry industry and um and she she kind of like followed me to dog-eared and then she and we're still friends and it was just like it's amazing when you set out to make friends yeah instead of like customers I mean I mean that the is connection make, you know such golden advice I think if you if you do approach it in just the same way as you were describing making that box you create that box as if you were putting it together for a friend for their birthday. If you yeah. pour that amount of love into it, people feel it. People resonate with that. Yeah. Just Absolutely. amazing. So when you came together with the four, cause I, I mean, I'm, I'm one of four girls and I have a sort of latent dream that at some point when my, my younger sisters are all in the thick of children at the moment, so they're not in a position to maybe drop everything and start a, a small business, but did you have a natural role for everybody or has it has it been difficult to work out? Well, I'm the sales guy. I'm the I'm the person who does the back end and the ops. How does it work? Um, well, it's funny because this is a business. Um, we my sisters we all do the same thing. So it's <laughs> not a company we own. We just do sales for the company. I get it. I get so it. We're kind right. of like reps for the company, um, and and. As I mentioned earlier, before we started taping this, is that being one of four, there is a healthy dose of fear of missing out. Yeah, yeah. So my sisters were got involved with this company in twenty eight, two thousand eight, and um, they kept saying, "You're you're a salesperson. You need to be <laughs> doing this." Then well, my, I have one sister who's a lawyer. I have another sister who has her own. Uh, she teaches swimming, she has her own business. And then I have another uh, sister who's in the healthcare and they were all doing this as a side hustle. And my mom was as well. And so, uh, so it took me a little, it took me to resign from once I resigned from dog and actually had my own business. I could also do this side hustle. And, and, you know, it's just the, we, we like the fact that we go to the conference together, this week, I have um, a conference that I'm going to where um, I'm working with one of my sisters. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's been great. It's something we we talk about and can support one another on. Um, I have, however, <laughs> my older sister had restaurants, um, had a couple of restaurants. When she first opened her very first restaurant, she was 26 years old. Wow. And, yeah, super young. And she's always been a, a big foodie. And, and, uh, so I was, I just graduated college and I was going on my way to San Francisco where I was going to live. And I, uh, she asked me to, to stay and help her 
um, and I waited tables for her. And then my friend who, um, my roommate from San Francisco was moving also to, I mean, my roommate from Boston was moving to San Francisco. We were going to be roommates in San Francisco. And so I talked her into <laughs> being the host at the restaurant. Um, and it was great. Um, and it was funny to work for my sister. Uh, yeah. It was, you know, it's like empowering. She was a kind of a powerhouse at 26 opening her first restaurant. So, so much. So. And there's such a lot of risk in, in the restaurant business, oh. you know, the upfront costs are so high. Gosh. That is what, uh, no, I wouldn't do. I, I have, I have one sister who had, um, my sister had a swimming, who has a swimming business also had a clothing store for seven years, a children's clothing store. My mom had a store she has worked for also other um, stores. She worked for Stanley Korshak, which is a beautiful store in Dallas for like 12 years or so. So retail has definitely been. Yeah. Baked into your DNA, really. It's yeah. just there. Gosh. And that makes perfect sense. And so with the restaurant business, did it, it came to its natural evolution? Because that's, that's young to start and stick with it. Yeah. It was hard. Um, she she ended up closing that restaurant, I want to say after maybe three years. It was just huge. It was a huge space. Yeah. And uh, you have to keep it turning. And yeah. it's a great lunch business, but the dinner business was really quiet. And it was hard for her, but it was not, it did not deter her because then she opened another restaurant. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, she ended up... Um, I think selling out to her business partner on that one for after a few years. Um, but yeah, she's, she's kind of amazing. Um, and, you know, worked in well, it's, for it's also, you know, you, you describe yourself now in your own business as you, you you're labeled the director of fun. And one of my <laughs> questions for you was going to be because you've had this, you know, you've worked in corporate for retail, you've kind of cut your teeth on, on big, big corporate names and then you have gone out into the smaller firms and then you've worked with one one-on-one you know coaching and consulting with designers how do you decide where to move to next and when when is you know when you drew the line at dog Ed, how do you make that decision because for a lot of people they get stuck I had a three-year itch like I would last at a company for about three years two wow. to three um and I was you know jobs came to me. I mean, it was, I was really, I, I think the universe gives us signs and we either see them and, and take them or we kind of ignore them because sometimes they're subtle and sometimes they're not so subtle. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it, it just varies with, mm -hmm. When, um, when I was at the gap for a year, I really didn't, my first year at the gap, I didn't like what I was doing. It was all number crunching stuff. It wasn't super fun for me, but I love the fact that I'm still friends with some of the people that yeah. I work with. You know? Um, and I left there on really good terms and, um, was, and then I went to work for an investment banking firm because somebody who was a friend of somebody's like reached out to me and said, Hey, we're interviewing. We'd really like to interview you. And I was like, who are you? And I ended up working for them for three years. And I had no idea there was, it was in um, facilities management and I oversaw the artwork and um, as part of the department that oversaw artwork and the housekeeping staff and 
they, I was working for a company that was growing. So they were doing a lot of renovations. It was in the Transamerica pyramid in San Francisco and they were renovating different floors. So I was working with the architects and the construction guys and all that stuff, which I thought was super fun. Um, and I was there for a couple of years and then, um, found my way to William Sonoma because I picked up the phone and I said, mm -hmm. I want to be an expansion coordinator for William Sonoma because they did not have a ton of stores at that time. Oh, I'm really dating myself about that. <laughs> I thought they were everywhere. But then when I realized that hey. they own William Sonoma, hold every, well, they, they had used to have a company called hold everything and pottery barn and then West Elm. And I had, uh, I just heard about, uh, a friend of mine was doing expansion coordinating for another brand. And I was like, you can do that. That sounds cool. Yeah. So I pretty much just picked up the phone and called William Sonoma and said, I am interested in um, being an expansion coordinator for, for William Sonoma and pottery barn stores. And, <laughs> and they said, well, that's interesting. We just created that position today. And I went in the next day to interview and um, it took a while, but they hired me and it was phenomenal. And yeah. then I was recruited by Old Navy when they, Old Navy to me was like Starbucks at one point, you know, they were just all of a sudden huge growth spurt. Yeah. And when I, when I got the call from the recruiter and I was recruited because one of my best friends with best friends of the person who oversaw operations. And she's like, call her. Um, and so I was recruited by old Navy and I saw the opportunity and I was like in the fashion industry, if you don't jump around financially, you don't grow. Right. And right. I was, um, I needed to grow. I, and plus it was exciting to me to be part of a, of a division that had so much opportunity yeah. and so i went to work for them for three years and then um i took a leave to do um, a yoga training and my boss was awesome she's like you've pretty much worked 24 7 for the last three for three years and so she's like why don't we do a leave of absence you know um and i was going to come back to my job or interview for another job within the company and and gap laid off like 150 people that summer. And she called me before the big layoff. And she said, I've got, I've got some news. You can either do your job, but they're moving it to Ohio, or you can take the severance package. And, you know, wow. and she was severance package. And I was like, okay, I'll take the severance package. I had people subletting for me from me in my apartment in San Francisco. So I thought, well, I'll just go teach yoga and travel around a little bit and figure out what I want to do next. And my dear friend, Molly, who I grew up with called me and said, Hey, I'm doing a trade show in New York city and really could use some help. Do you want to do it with me? I will take care of you. I'll fly you out there and pay you to help me. And I was like, well, that sounds fun. I get to be with one of my best friends in New York. And I fell in love with the handmade product. And so yeah. that's what Molly is what really got me to the trade shows. And if you've never been to a wholesale trade show, it is unbelievable because there is like this mug. You can, I mean, 
you can see a booth just of mug. I mean, it's just fascinating. I'm fascinated by creativity. I'm fascinated by businesses. And it was, it completely blew me away. And the, the relationships and just people, when you are at a show, be it an art fair or a trade show, you're with these people for anywhere from three days to, you know, five days, you get to know them. Yeah. And it's like camp. It's yeah, great. It is. It is. It is. You yeah. have to enjoy that environment, but everything from building the stand to standing behind it, to engaging with people. And, you know, my job was always to bring along, I, I have my favorite friend, Donna, who, she could sell sell Christmas to Santa to to turkeys. You know, she she literally just engaged with people. It wasn't selling. It was just curious, just talking to people. You know, just the model that you you use, and it was always a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And and the resistance to 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 spend. You know, you were always like, I have to stay at my stand and not go and visit all the others because there's so much to see and so much to do. It's just so amazing. Much. It's yeah. so so fascinating. And I still I started doing. Um, tours of the New York Now show because I felt like a lot of vendors were not utilizing their space yeah. as well as good. And I, so I wanted, I always feel like you walk a show before you ever invest in it. But you had asked me, I always get sidetracked. You had asked me about leaving companies. I left, um, uh, Molly hired me. And after three years, dog-eared, the whole dog-eared connection while I was working for my friend Molly and so I was living in San Francisco and, and LA is a wonderful place. I didn't think it would ever be my place because I really prefer Northern California, but um, dog-eared came a call in and I was like, yes, I yeah. see the opportunity for this company. And I was with them for the longest I had ever been with a company, which was five years. The reason I left is that uh, my father's health. He, um, he had an aortic aneurysm in 2009 and mm-hmm. I was traveling for work, um, with dog I did a lot of wholesale trade shows. And so I was traveling and when it happened, I was luckily like could fly and be with him. Um, he lived, um, 10 more years, um, but it was very up and down. He was in and out of the hospital. And so in 2010, I decided to resign. Mm-hmm. Um, to have more flexibility and be there for him. And, um, and it's a, it's a decision I don't regret. I mean, I loved dog-eared. I loved my, the team and, and everything that we had worked so hard to grow. Um, but it was the right decision for me to, yeah. to be more available to my dad. And honestly, starting consulting, I was like, I am an accidental entrepreneur. Like, I just want to help people. Like, you know, um, so when I was working for dog-eared, I always had people come and ask me questions, um, other vendors and, and things. And, uh, and I had some people that I said, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about leaving, but I, I don't know. And what do you think? Cause of course we take the survey. Right. And one of the, um, people was, iBobs. And I don't know if you know iBobs. It's an incredible company. They do eyeglasses, eyewear. Um, and they started off with readers. And it's a very stylish, it, very stylish glasses. And the owner of the company, Julie, is somebody I so respect. And she's like, well, if you do resign and start your own business, I will be the first one to hire you. And she, she was. So wow. I went out 
a, a strategy meeting for her team. And it was just like, it just filled my heart because I felt very taken care of that I had business right away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What I, what I felt though, is that consulting one-on-one can be very costly. And when you have a handmade business, a lot of people, um, now it's becoming more popular and acceptable to invest in the business side for, with coaching and consulting. Mm -hmm. But, um, when I started, uh, 12 years ago, people were like, Oh, you know, I need to buy tools or I need to buy supplies and weren't ready to invest. They had, my clients were at a certain level where they were really financially ready, but I felt like some of the people like were getting left out because they, they still needed information and we're doing like, there were so many things you could do wrong. And I always said, learn from my mistakes. I did a lot of mistakes. I did, we did a lot of things right. And a lot of things wrong. And so when Tracy uh, Matthews, who I friend of mine from doing trade shows and, and she and I stayed in touch and she approached me in 2012, February, 2012, we were at a jazz club watching my, cousin plays jazz. And she's like, I have this idea. Want to talk to you about it. And when she told me about Flourish and Thrive and the opportunity to reach more designers where they can afford it, it just made me so happy. And it's such valuable information. I was like, sign me up. What can I do? And that's, you know, the rest is history. And I think that is a model that is now being rolled out where people are forming those it's it's online education meets consultancy meets coaching. And I just got very, very lucky that I happened to hear Tracy on a podcast and I just made a beeline for it. You know, it's kind of, I, I didn't even know how much I didn't know, but I knew I needed some help. And as I said, at the beginning of this, this um, interview, I had never really experienced the power of coaching, just people asking the right questions getting you to really focus in on where you want to go and how you're going to get there. And it's been such a, a privilege. You know, I, I, I still count myself as being so lucky to have encountered that. And also because it was still, you know, Tracy was, was basically opening up the doors to a very secretive industry. I think that was her innovation. And, you know, then she pulled your expertise in. So you've got that, two-pronged thing and and it just meant that all the stuff that would normally be in-house and you'd have to go and work for someone to even know any of this stuff was just being opened up and it makes the world a better place when everyone can lean into their creativity build the business that they dream of make a difference I mean I've seen designers who now contribute to their household incomes you know, the Soul Cool Girls are helping other young mums do just the same. The ripple effect is is just huge. So it's that that I really wanted to, to bring you onto the show for and to say thank you for. And so just as we're sort of wrapping up, um, I always ask my, my guests to share a little bit about music. I mean, you've had such a a beautiful sort of run of being in LA and New York and then Dallas and how does how does music come into your life? Um, music is just it just it it oh my gosh it does so much 
it, you know, it fills me with joy. It helps me meditate. It, I mean, I use it for so many things. Um, when I'm uh, walking or hiking and I'll put something on to motivate me. I mean, it's just music is powerful. And, um, and when you, you had uh, sent me some questions and I remember thinking, gosh, the first song that came to my head is we are family. (laughs) I just love that because, you know, the stories you've told how much a a close knit family you are. And I think you've taken that, that love and support and connection that you found within your own family and you just put it out into the world. That's, that's how you operate, Robin. It's just amazing. So we are family is just a perfect song to add to my collection. And it's, um, so that's sister sledge, isn't it? That's sledge. Yeah. yeah, I, I can, I, I don't think it's on the playlist already, but it's now a song that I will definitely, whenever I hear it, associate with Robin Kramer and her three sisters and that wonderful story of just how much of a family, you know, you, you, you've run businesses together. Your dad was so instrumental in saving so many lives and building a community in Dallas. It's just, just such a wonderful story. So this podcast is called collective wisdom. I don't know how you boil it down to one piece of wisdom. You've shared so much. I mean, I remember you saying pick up the phone was one of them. No one got to where they um, they are today alone was another thing that I always took away from. That was a, a Robin kind of hit me on the head <laughs> with a hammer. Um, what would you say is the sort of piece of wisdom that you kind of come back to again and again? Well, I always feel like you don't know what you don't know. And I say that a lot because... I'm just, I'm constantly humbled, you know, and learning from others. Everybody has something to teach us, everybody. Mm-hmm. And I would also say, be aware of what the universe is showing you, you know, trusting one's gut. Yeah. Well, you know, your gut knows, you know, you can feel something. So really go with that. I also, you know, someone once told me a long time ago, we're not responsible for our first thought, but we're responsible for every thought after that. Because I think also as creative beings, I see this a lot with the designers and I, I experience myself, especially, I don't know if it's being a woman and having a business, but you know, my first thought if somebody reaches out and has a negative experience with me, it's like, what did I do? What's wrong with me? How did it, you know, instead of just like, okay, I, I can let go of that thought and be like, okay, what can I do? Um, what is the next right move and thinking you know, differently. It's given me a lot of calm and peace. And I certainly attribute my, my yoga training to a lot of that, but sometimes we're just like, just like, let me learn. Let me like take a breath and see the, the next right move for me or um, how, again, like, how can I help somebody else, you know, get out of my own way by helping somebody else. Yeah. That moving from, from um, helpless to helpful. I think that's a, that's a really nice way to put it. And I'm just curious if there's anyone who's listening at the moment and they have a dream, have something that they want to get off the ground and that place of where do you start? What would be your advice just to take that first step? Um, don't be scared. I mean, it's, you gotta have a little fear, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just do it. You know, the worst thing that can happen is somebody doesn't 
doesn't buy it or doesn't want it or but I can tell you there is as my mama always said <laughs> there is a lid for every pot you know, <laughs> someone's, someone's you know dream is is not someone else's but it could you know it's just there is something for everyone and to get out of comparison that um, you've heard me say this a lot, like a circle is a circle is a circle. It is your interpretation of it. It is your mark, how you make it, right? Yeah, unity was there. Yeah, absolutely. So so there is, um, there, there is a customer base for everyone and you don't need everyone in the universe to love what you do. Yeah. You just need a handful of people. And, and it makes it all worthwhile. So, you know. Beautiful, beautiful. And it's so funny that it comes back full circle because I now can walk into a room and honestly, it's the, we could have sold this pendant, which was the Unity pendant, but we built the whole story around that connection, collaboration. People love that story. And so now I just walk into a room and people go, oh, where can I get one of those? And you're like, Sorry, I stopped selling them. I'll start again soon. Don't worry. <laughs> but it is interesting how it doesn't even have to be that complex. You don't have to reinvent the wheel the whole time. You can move from that place of, oh, it's never going to work to just give it a go. And, uh, yeah. and, and competition is, is good. It keeps us on our toes. It keeps us moving forward. I am... Um, there's a jewelry designer that I'm still super good friends with Jill Pearson, who has a line called Wasabi. She is no longer wholesaling. She has a wonderful store in Pasadena. She is the one I did consulting for before I went to dog eared. And I remember meeting her and she had such a great line and, and I saw so much jewelry out there. This is before I was in jewelry. And I said, Jill, how do you do it? How do you not get frustrated when you see somebody who like has a piece that's either similar or really close to what you do. Yeah. And she's like, you know what, if I put my energy into what others are doing and, and comparing myself all the time, I would never have a thriving business. And I keep my eyes forward yeah. and, you know, you just have to do that. And, um, you know, and you can differentiate yourself in so many different ways, but, really how you treat others and um and how you value others is is really what can set you apart you know phenomenal i knew this was going to be a priceless conversation i am so grateful to you for for all of the stuff you do robin everything you put out there you can i mean one way to connect with robin is you do office hours and things hang out on facebook find robin kramer because any of the groups if you are a creative she is is just around. You'll find her at some point and loves to you help. Me. Absolutely. I do. Um, when COVID hit, I started a, a call that, um, a Zoom call that's open to everybody and I'm still doing it. It's twice a month. Uh, it's called Jolt of Joy. All we do is share community and um, gratitude and it is twice a month. It is 9 30 a.m central time and we go everybody on there has an opportunity to share something they're grateful for or a personal professional win or something fun in their life and i'm a big believer the more you get to share the good the more good comes to you 
So Wonderful. I'm still doing it. <laughs> I think I might even join because it's just, that, I love the name Jolt of Joy. But in the meantime, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for sharing all that wisdom. And best of luck with all the new ventures that are coming your way, because I have a feeling it's going to be an exciting year ahead. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to reconnect with you. It just... Yeah, sending love out over the airwaves because it is just, yeah. this is an example of it. You know, what was it? 20, 2016, I went to New York and here we are in 2022. But it's just, yeah, it's so much fun to reconnect and to hear all those stories and to be able to share them with some of the people that I know will be listening in to, to hear all of this. So thank you, Robin. It's been thank a pleasure. You. Thank you for inviting me. This was so great. And please, anybody, you don't have to be a jewelry designer. If you have a business, don't hesitate to reach out. I always have time to talk with people. So please, please don't hesitate. And she really does mean that for sure. What a song that you really can't hear without tapping your feet to and being in a better mood. It's such a perfect song to sum up Robin's approach to life and the way she brings all that love into what she does and builds families of friends everywhere she goes. There's a line in the song, have faith in you and the things that you do, which as you've heard is also a perfect mantra for Robin and her approach. It's all about coming together trusting yourself and feeling a little bit of fear and then just doing it anyway. So know that whoever you are, wherever you are, there's always someone who could do with your help. And as Robin said, don't wait for them to call, be the first one to make the first move or raise your hand and you'll find that only good will come of it, which is something we'll hear much more about from next week's guest, the philanthropist and humanitarian Scott Neeson who founded Cambodian Children's Fund, not because he had a great vision for the incredible life-saving organisation it's become today, but because he saw a way to help one family out of a crisis and ended up building a whole community, a huge family that now supports each other and itself to make a better future. Oh, and if you love this song, there's a link in the show notes to the Soul Music episode. You know my favourite podcast, Soul Music? you'll find a whole episode just talking about some of the inspirational stories that have come from this song. So have a good week and remember to listen out for what the wind is whispering to you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. There are almost a million podcasts out there to choose from, so I really appreciate you for choosing this one and spending your valuable time with me today. If you found it helpful, I would be truly grateful if you would rate and review it as it helps others to find us. And if you haven't already, you can hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts to be sure of getting every episode sent to you. You can find all the resources we talk about and more about my guests in the show notes over at collectivewisdom.podbean.com or you can find me on Instagram at collectivewisdompod where I'd love to hear any feedback, suggestions for new guests or comments that you have. I'd love to hear from you. And if you're interested to know more about how my coaching can help you, you can find more about that on my website at catpreston.com. Thank you so much for joining me.